Hello everyone, this is Aurus Julia Sanchez with Converse with Anyone, Anywhere. And on this podcast, it's going to be extremely special because I'm actually bringing a guest to this podcast. She is a successful entrepreneur. She's a three-time silver medalist for the Maccabee Olympian Games. And she has a, a background and a degree in psychology. And I personally have seen her work in the real world assessing, analyzing people. And it's just mind-boggling. So I had to bring her on the podcast. And here she is. Hi, my name is Aliza Abramson. Uh, he may have been flattering me just a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't do all those things. She definitely has. I've seen her do it in real life. Now, I just want to get into it really quickly because I want the people who are listening to get as much value. I agree. I wanted to get as much value as they can because, you know, it's interesting because I've actually seen you like converse with like new people or like coworkers or like people at, at parties or at gatherings or even professional networking events i've seen you and just the your ability to converse with them you know build rapport is phenomenal but honestly like i'll be completely honest with you i think your forte is the analyzing assessing seeing the, their securities and once you see like a little bit deeper inside of them it's like i feel like you're like a mentalist or, or something <laughs> a mentalist but like a professional one you see what's really happening on the inside and then based on that you your conversation changes or your tone changes. And I just want to know, and I know everyone else who, who will be listening to this, they want to know the same thing. How do you do this? So can you give us like a like a, a little quick background on like on yourself and just like, let's just get into it and let's let's start talking about this. Okay, so you asked quite a few questions in that one I know, question. I got excited. I got uh, excited. Sorry, guys. <laughs> so let's break it down a little bit. Um, go. You want to know a little bit about my background. Correct. You want to know a little bit about how I analyze people and check for those insecurities. Correct. Um, and what I do about it, correct? Exactly. And what can people do in real life mm, okay. with these things that you'll be teaching? Okay. Um, well, I always had like a tremendous interest in psychology. Um when I was in elementary school, my dad worked in a college and he would bring home the textbooks on psychology and I would just sit there and read them. So I was learning all about it and then I would bother my friends, a lot of my family, because I would sit there and psychoanalyze everyone and everyone would be like, stop it, Aliza. Um, so annoying. <laughs> but eventually I started to get the hang of it. In the mm -hmm. beginning, I was annoying everyone, but I eventually got the hang of it um, or as much as I could at that point. Of course, of course. Basically, it comes down to a combination of knowing the way minds work mm -hmm. and knowing that all people are the same. So what do I mean by this? It's going to sound a little bit um, obvious or contrary to what people in society generally say, where everyone says, like, everyone's different, everyone's unique, everyone's special. And yes, everyone's different, everyone's unique, and everyone's special. But at the end of the day, we're all the same species. We're all humans, right? Mm -hmm. That means that we all have certain... <clears throat> Uh, drive certain instincts, certain t um, elements of our personality, certain elements of our mind that work to make it that we can actually function in society because humans live in groups, right? Yes. If we all lived in our own individual world worlds, then we could come up with our own way of perceiving everything in the world and how we react to it. But because we live in groups, we have to learn how to get along with each other. For example, um, a kid that doesn't have any siblings, right? Like an only child. Um, a lot of times you'll see different behaviors in them than those that grow up with siblings. Like a lot of times they cry a lot more. They're not used to not getting their way because that's how they learned growing up that they have to behave. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you see a child that grows up in a larger family, they have a lot more uh, social skills in terms of sharing, in terms of getting along with people. So because 
people live in communities and societies, there are certain trends that all people have because we've learned them in order to get along with each other. And you're thinking all of this when you're analyzing people? Well, this is kind of a foundation that you need to start from. Okay. So when you meet a person, a lot of times people can get really in their head. They can get intimidated by them. They could say like, oh, this person's really good looking. They probably have a completely different life than me. They could say this person's really smart. Uh, You could say this person's really social. There's all these different ways that we can say that this person is better than me, which is, by the way, just an element of your insecurity popping out. But what you got to remember is that every single person has the same base feelings as you do. They may not feel the same things at the same moment as you or for the same Mm -hmm. reasons as you, but they all have the same feelings as you, meaning that everyone gets scared. Everyone gets intimidated. Everyone gets nervous. Everyone gets happy. Everyone feels all those things. So when you go into a conversation with someone, you got to keep in mind, this person is also a person. So you don't see them and see like, oh, they don't feel this or they don't get like this. Mm-hmm. You realize this person is just like me. No matter how many advantages you think they might have, remember that you're on that same page as them. Okay? Okay. So then you, t- I tend to um, flip the mindset back to myself a little bit. Now, don't think of it as like whatever you feel and however you react to things, that's exactly how everyone else reacts to it. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is look at yourself and say, okay, when I'm insecure about something, what do I do? There are two reactions that people do when they're insecure about things. I've noticed that people either dramatize their insecurities, kind of like the class clown type of thing where they make it into a joke so everyone thinks that it doesn't bother them um, or they get really defensive about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually discovered this when I was in about eighth grade, actually, because there was this girl in my class that I noticed that she had this habit of she would point out the flaws in other people. Like, let's say there was a girl that was like a little chubby. She would point it out. Or let's say there was someone that was not the smartest person. She would point it out to them. And I was really scared that she was going to point out my flaws. So I was thinking about it. And I was like, well, what can I do? So I did something called a, I like to call it a preemptive strike. Or basically what I did was like, let me say my insecurity first. Let me joke about my insecurity first so she doesn't get the opportunity to come in and attack me. That way I'm in control of the situation, right? Mm-hmm. So that's one way that people like to deal with their insecurity. They put it in the forefront so they think that other people can't attack it. The other way is they do the opposite extreme. They hide it completely, right? They'll take it and they bury it and bury it and bury it. These are the people that, um, for example, if they feel really insecure about um, their depth or things like that, they'll have like super flashy cars, Mm. Those people that are like super pushing everything forward into your face, they're hiding the insecurity um, by pushing forward other things. They're trying to mask it. Mm. But the thing that you should notice in both of these examples is they're both extreme, right? Correct. They're not normal behavior. Like, for example, if someone knows without a doubt that they have green eyes, for example, like I have green eyes, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't have to go and point out that I have green eyes to everyone, right? Or I don't have to go and um, wear sunglasses to hide my green eyes because whatever, they're just green eyes. I'm not worried about it. So I just have them, people notice them, and that's it, right? When people aren't insecure, they don't push it in your face. 
they're more subtle about it. They might be proud of it. There's a difference between being proud and bragging um, versus pushing it. Mm-hmm. So when you see anyone is being extreme in anything, you know that there's some kind of an insecurity involved. So that's usually my marker for how I know when someone's insecure about something. They're acting in an extreme way. Interesting. And you know, this is so good because I'm, 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 I'm going to ask you another question now because I think this was a great foundation that it is so true. We're all humans. We're all going to feel the same thing, right? And But the most interesting thing you said is that people that have insecurities, a lot of times it's one or the other extreme. Either they're going to hide it or they're going to really put it out there. So then it's interesting. I've seen people do this that where they have an insecurity. Maybe they're short or, or, or they're bold. I guess that's where the, the, the term, well, maybe it's one way, self-deprecating humor it came exactly. out of. Exactly. Where, you know, where you make fun of yourself. Mm-hmm. So then if you do it, no one else can be like, oh, they can't do it now because you just did it. And every time I'm in a conversation, me, me personally, and I hear someone doing a lot, a lot, I mean, everyone does it to some point, but when someone does it a lot, that's when I start to like investigate a little bit like, okay, there's something here. Let me go down this rabbit hole, not because I want to manipulate them or I want to do something bad, but now I know, okay, they're insecure about being bold. Why? Where did that root come from? Because a lot of times, and you tell me if, if, I'm, if, I, if, I, if I'm wrong, you tell me and correct me, please. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times... Yes, people have insecurities, but that is not, yes, like someone has maybe, you know, they, they might say I'm bald and I'm insecure about it because I might look ugly and maybe women won't find me attractive or men won't find me attractive, right? But that's not actually the root mm. of the insecurity. Am I right or wrong? So it's an interesting question. Um, it could kind of go either ways. I know it's mm. like an annoying answer, yeah. um, but that's the type of thing you can only really know once you've had a couple of conversations with them. How many specifically? It depends on the quality of your conversation. If you're having a more in-depth conversation, it could be in one. If it's the type of thing where you guys have superficial conversations all the time, it could take you 20. Mm. Um, But it definitely could be that it's kind of like a disease, right? Like there's a root cause to the disease and then there's lots of symptoms of it. Like let's say someone is overweight, overweight, right? Mm -hmm. And they're insecure about it. Um, One of the things that happens when you're overweight is you get stretch marks. So they could also be insecure about the stretch marks. Now, is the stretch marks the source of their insecurity? No. No. It is another insecurity, but the source of it is the being overweight. Why are they insecure about stretch marks? Because it shows that they're overweight. Um, Now, that doesn't mean all stretch marks are because you're overweight. Some of them from pregnancy, things like that. Yes, we're not going to generalize here. No, no, no. no, no, no. no. Um, But it's a, a matter of getting to know them and speaking with them. I personally think, I mean, of course, I'm not saying for everyone, but I'm going to say for a big percentage of people having insecurities due to only two factors. Mm-hmm. Only two. You ready? Okay. And everyone out there, listen, only two factors. I th- I'm not saying everyone, but a bunch of people is, uh, is under these two things. Number one, parenting, like mm-hmm. their parents. Mm-hmm. Or number two, the context, the environment they were raised in. I'm not saying everyone. Of course, I think you have a di- different answer, which I want the people in the podcast to listen to this. Yeah, I'm sorry. I disagree with you a little uh, bit. <laughs> uh, don't worry. I'll, I'll fight you later. <laughs> but is this because a lot of times, again, I didn't say everybody. I didn't say everyone, but I said a majority is because however you're brought up, right? The way you're brought up, the way your parents bring you up or the way, you know, your culture and all that stuff. But mostly the parents at home, they're mostly with you. It's school and your parents. They instill in you their insecurities a lot of times or maybe you know they a lot of times parents 
They're not good parents. They have bad parenting skills. So they transfer all of that to their to their kin, to their children. And then the children, it's like it's like planting a little seed. Then it begins to grow and grow and grow. And then they have this insecurity and they, they don't know why. Or it could even be the, the environment. Maybe the home life was great, but maybe, you know, they were in Chernobyl and the radiation made their hair fall off. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm just giving an example. Or a bully at school. So I do think those two are primary. They're very, like, big, especially more the parenting. But what what do you think? You know, it's interesting. Once you explain it, I do agree with you a little bit more. Um, I'm going to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, but I'm going to build on it a little bit. Okay. Yes, please do. Um because a lot of people want to um, sit there and they're saying like, oh, it's because of my parenting, because of my parenting, this and that. Um, I don't think it's possible for a parent to raise you to not have any insecurities or for society to not allow you to develop any insecurities. Because like I said, we're all human. Mm-hmm. And if anyone doesn't have any insecurity, <clears throat> then they need to go get help because that is a narcissistic personality disorder. Mm-hmm. But I do think that the people who have less insecurities, a large part of it is due to the coping mechanisms that their parents taught them. Mm-hmm. Because it's not so much like, um, for example, when a kid is learning to drive, a lot of times the parents are nervous about them going on the road and the cliche answer is like, it's not you that I don't trust, it's all the drivers out there, mm-hmm. right? And that's very true in the world. Like <clears throat> A lot of people are going to come and they're going to they're gonna mess with your head a little bit. But it's about, are you a good defensive driver? Do you have the coping mechanisms to deal with those issues that people are going to be trying to give you? For example, like a parent that teaches a kid to be confident and teaches a kid when people say this, this is how you should think about it, or this is how you should process it. Those are the kids that are going to be able to go out into the world and say like, or handle any situation that comes at them. Like, okay, this person's trying to build this issue in me. Fine. Let me do this and it won't bother me anymore. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that those, I'm not ready to say that those are the only two ways you can get it, because I do think that there is definitely biological factors as well. Um, If you actually look at, like, genetics and things like that, there's a huge array of things that you can get, like um, eating disorders is a genetic thing, actually. There's a lot of science backing that. that. That is true, that is true. I didn't say they were the only one, but I said for the majority, I said. Oh, okay, so then, yeah, I agree with you. Um, But the best way to combat that or to help in that situation is to build those coping mechanisms that are healthy. So now the last question that I'm going to ask you, yes, guys, we're going to wrap it up very soon. Last question. Everything you mentioned, right, Mm -hmm. about being able to assess people and understanding human emotion and that everyone's the same, we all feel the same thing. How do you use everything you, you, you just mentioned, right? If you had to summarize it, how do you use it in a real life conversation? Let's say, give me just two situations. Let's say, uh, you're meeting someone new and your coworkers at work. Mm-hmm. So actually, the the I'm going to say that the most profound way that I use this because it's helped me a lot and it's helped me grow as a person a lot and it humbles me a lot is that it allows you to develop a huge trust with people and allows people to open up to you. How does this do that? When you are in a conversation with someone and you notice certain extremes in their um, behavior or in their um, conversation with you, you can kind of pinpoint Mm -hmm. what they're insecure about, right? Now, when someone's insecure about something, how do you get them comfortable with that insecurity? Um, One of the ways that I like to do that is by using some external factor. 
Oh yes, you told me about this. Yeah, mm. please go go into detail with this because guys, you guys are gonna want to pay attention to this part. Um, you use some external factor to give them some positive reinforcement for mm. their insecurity. For example, let's say someone is insecure that they have scrawny arms, right? Mm. Um. I'm going to try to get them into a situation or I'm going to use something in the environment to point out how strong this person is without drawing attention to their scrawny arms, right? Um, that's step one. For example, let's say they lift up something and I'll point out that someone else couldn't lift it while they could. Mm -hmm. But it has to be something that they can actually see, something that they can actually measure because otherwise they're going to just blow it off because they're insecure about it. The step two, though, is very, very crucial because what's going to happen is the person with the insecurity is going to come to you and they're going to kind of test you a little bit. And they're going to be like, OK, let's say they're insecure about scrawny arms. They're going to be like, you think they're strong, but like, look, they're so scrawny. Mm -hmm. Don't disagree with them. Don't say no, they're not, because if they are a little scrawny, we're not denying that they're scrawny or not. We're saying it doesn't matter. And if you say that they're not, when they know that they are, they will not trust you. And that's it. You will not be able to have this trust with them ever again. Interesting. But you don't want to agree with them either. You don't want to say, oh, yeah, they are pretty scrawny. Because then you're reinforcing the negative um, insecurity that they have. So what you do instead is you go like, okay. That's all you say. With that voice? Kind of. Okay. Yeah. You just say like, okay. Or okay. whatever you say. You give them a very neutral, very like, I don't really care about that mm -hmm. type of response because that they can believe. And then what's going to happen, this is step three. The next time you have a conversation with them or you have some kind of interaction with them, they're going to look for some more validation. They're going to be like, oh, this happened before. Let me see if they actually believe that because you didn't make it a big deal. You didn't make it like this is the focus of a conversation. We're going to talk about your insecurity. You're not doing that. No. They're going to point out something about arms or scrawny. Or they're going to ask you some kind of question about it. This is where you have to make it not a big deal again. Like, let's say they say, like, aren't scrawny arms disgusting? You could be like, no, they don't really bother me. Something like that. Mm. Don't make it too positive. Don't make it too negative. Do that neutral tone again. Neutral. Because the point is you want them to get, you want them to realize that it's bigger in their head than the rest of the world. Because once they develop that trust with you, they're going to get really close with you because they're going to see this person doesn't care about my insecurities. Let me get to know this person again because that's not a relationship they have with too many people. And once you get past people's insecurities, you can have amazing conversations with them. And you can learn so much from them and they'll be much more honest and real with you. That was probably worth the admission of this podcast episode. <laughs> And that was probably the cake, the icing, everything, guys. You, guys, I think you guys are going to want to repeat this episode. This is probably, I think this is episode 20-something. I don't remember. I have Alzheimer's dementia. But uh, the point is that <laughs> it's, okay. Uh, it's okay. Oh, okay, please. <laughs> but the whole point is that this has probably been the best episode. I'm going to start having more guests on, on my podcast, guys. But there de there's definitely going to be people that will be repeat guests. Aliza, you're definitely going to be a repeat guest. Great. I had a great time. And uh, this was amazing. Guys, go back, re-listen to this podcast. I would please and learn 
from her perspective what she mentioned about the insecurities how to find them what to do once you see an insecurity and then how you can converse with that person which is so important i've learned a lot of this from elisa and from other other sources but just the way she put it was extremely well well said and i'm definitely going to be doing this a lot more when not to everyone obviously but when i see the right opportunity i'm definitely going to do it is there any last words you want to say um everyone should be following this podcast it's excellent content i yes. know um Aurus personally and he works tremendously hard to give you guys the best content he possibly can um so yeah follow him listen to what he's got to say it's all researched it's all um really top of the line top of the line wow I'm blushing. <laughs> thank you, Lisa, so much. Guys, thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Instagram, uh, Conversation Guru, and on YouTube, also Conversation Guru. Guys, thank you guys so much. And of course, till next time.